I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports.
Hey, Federico. Hey, Jed. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for um, agreeing to be part of this. Now, we just used the audio. Perfect. Uh, so I don't know if you've listened to any of these since we talked. Absolutely. Yeah, okay. Very well, interesting ones. Great interviews. Uh, you, you're, you're doing a great, a great thing over there. Do you have some statistics of your hearings and downloads and stuff? No, my son. He does. Oh, he, okay. I would love to talk to him about it. He edits it and everything. Awesome. So he's done a good job. It was his yeah, idea. It's, it's, he's, uh, a, he's a senior in college. He's a senior in college, and now he's uh, he's uh, uh, building even a, a bigger star in his dad. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess. I guess You're already a huge one, but I mean, he now now it's time to to show the rest of the world what you're capable of, Jed. <laughs> oh no, not not at all. I mean, it's um, we, we just we've had a lot of fun. It's great. It's great. You know, after being, you know, uh, in some of the info that I was reading about, you said half of 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 a century of of professional experience. That's very easy to say, but I mean, half of a century, it's a while. <laughs> yeah, it is. Hey, well, are, are you ready to start? Absolutely, sir. Welcome, friends. We have a unique guest, international, someone who grew up in Mexico City and who combines business with sports and entertainment and music. Our guest. Federico Alman. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for the opportunity of being here with you. It's a pleasure for me to, to be here with you today. Well, listen, having somebody from outside the United States who grew up in Mexico City and who began in your career in um, operations, it's interesting. We talk about sports. Your audiences listen to sports, but not all of them understand the difference between operations and business and coaching and how they get integrated. So talk a little bit about what operations in, in sports or in entertainment actually means. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's an amazing experience how, how, how those fans can, you know, have a better experience of their sports when they assist to events. So uh, the, I think the major part of, uh, of, of people who operate events is that, it's giving the best experience to the fans in the event, because you can watch an event, you can hear an event, or somebody can talk to you about, about an event. But when you're leaving the experience, is that you're you're actually taking that moment of the fan to give them the best as he can to uh, from the parking lot to the to the entrance to the food and beverage stations to the uh, to the you know the the bathrooms to to get to their row to their seat. And, and, you know, and be safe in the building. And we're, when you're talking about, you know, a small building, it's, it's okay. It's a hard work, but it's okay. And we're, when you're talking about big arenas or big stadiums, it's, uh, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, uh, usher, I mean, to, to coordinate all that people working, ushers, ticket takers, T-shirt security, uh, medical services, police on the outside of the building, uh, and giving all these, you know, this momentum to that event that can just least for maybe hours and, and give the best of the people that you recruit and trained 
just to have the fan uh, having a great experience. So I, I had the uh, opportunity to to live most of my life uh, on on the biggest you know entertainment companies in in Latin America and right now one of the biggest of the world, Ocesa Cie, which was the company that watched me. You know, uh, from day one, uh, Alejandro Soberon, my mentor and uh, still owner and, and uh, managing the company, uh, invited me and or adopted me, can I say, because I was 18 years old by then. I was very young when I started, uh, you know, riding a forklift in operations of, of the Palacio de los Deportes building in Mexico and start my training and building up to, to know the operation of an event from scratch. I mean... Uh, and, and I think it's it's very interesting just to live from uh, the very, you know, uh, small charge all the way to the end to manage a building and know what happened in each building in, in, the, in a different kind of event. It doesn't matter if it's a, a sporting event, a rock concert, a family event, a night show, uh, you know, a circus, whatever. I mean, we did thousands and thousands of events. Uh, uh, in in that company, which they're they're it's in, on their thirtieth year right now, and I don't know if I if I told you yet, but it was recently acquired from uh, from Life Nation. Right, right. So a question for you now. So in, in your role, you got into events like Formula One. Let's talk about Formula One, and then talk about those music festivals that you were involved in that have over two hundred and fifty thousand people over a weekend. Well, I mean, Formula. First of all, I'm a big uh, a race fan. I'm a I'm a motorsports fan. I was uh, I was pretty involved in most of the of the of the motor events with that company as well. I managed uh, uh, and started the relationship with uh, Formula One management back on 2012, when were the uh, first you know meetings with Mr. Bernie Eccleston to give back the Formula One after 20 years because the last Grand Prix of Mexico was back on the late 80s. Uh, after 20 years, it was another opportunity uh, to bring it back and, and uh, you know, do a whole revamping on the uh, Mexico racetrack, which went back to, back all the way back to the 60s when the Hermanos Rodriguez were racing on, uh, on the uh, Formula One as well. And uh, a lot of heritage of racing in Mexico. There's been, uh, you know, a very important uh, uh, fans uh, fan base for for that sport in Mexico. So it, it started in 2012, and it took us like three years of negotiations to put it back together. Obviously, with uh, with a great team from Ocesa and Cie, uh, leading by by Alejandro Soberon. Uh, George Gonzalez, which was the, the, the operation uh, head of Ocesa by that time. And uh, and me and Tavo Helmut on the commercial side. So that was quite an experience. And the first uh, event happened to, the, to a series of five, 2015 to 2020, which was the first five-year contract. And, uh, and the uh, first event was a total success. It was amazing. It was- uh, uh, What made it, it successful? What made it successful? I think uh, what made it successful was that the company was so concentrated on the fan experience. It is a big property, a very big property, and uh, the uh, the capacity of the track it was it was one of the biggest capacities in the whole uh, Formula One events. 
it's uh, close to 120,000 uh, people per day. So it was very challenging to, to manage like uh, five different areas of the track and entertain them, uh, fill it with a great, you know, food experience, with a great fan experience, with music. So because this track, it's kind of unique. It's not like some different tracks in which you can go all around the track and you have a general admission area and you just can walk around the track. Uh, this is very unique because it's concentrated on a, on a sports complex in the city and you cannot go all around the track. So that's that, that was uh, very, very challenging when we got there and say, you know, we need to, to practically do like five events in one. The only uh, you, the only thing that uh, that those five stadiums had it in common was the track and the Formula One, you know, cars going around and having a competition. But it was it was it was I think maybe that was the best opportunity being you know a, a motor sports event uh, fan and having the opportunity from CEO Cesa uh, and uh, being part of Alejandro's Soberon team to to lead uh, commercially and operationally uh, this part of the initiation of an era for the Formula One in Mexico again, uh, which still managed uh, by Jose Sassier now on a renewal contract. But this is something special what happened, Jed, uh, with the Formula One. For five years in a row, from 2015 to, 2000, to 2000, 2020, it built the best Grand Prix in the in the whole world uh, for five years in a row, wow. so I think that that talks a little bit about uh, not only the fan experience but also the international experience that the fans from other countries uh, had when they, when they saw that on TV. So you leave CIE and, and you join Fox. Let's talk a little bit about that transaction, uh, what that was like. Uh, what you took on because you took on a whole different set of responsibilities with Fox. And then let's talk about when Disney acquires Fox and they integrate you. So, so uh, right to the point, crisp and articulate on what was Fox like? Fox, I think it has been a major experience. I always, since I was young and building my career, I always, I was always very interested in, in, in TV broadcast and, and in TV content. Uh, I met uh, my ex-boss, Carlos Martinez, in Fox a while ago because he's also a racing fan. Uh, and, uh, and we always had, you know, these conversations of, uh, I mean, we need to do together sometimes things. I mean, we love the sports. We love, you know, uh, being uh, in the entertainment business. We like events. We know a lot of people in Mexico. And, and we, we, just, we just need to do something. Uh, and Carlos was leading that, that that division for Latin America when I joined the company. So uh, it was uh, it was maybe it was maybe Jed the hardest decision of my life because I did all my my starting uh, career and professionally with with CIE and and uh, with the mentoring of Alejandro Soberon and a bunch of important people that make a great part of my life like Bruce Moran and George Gonzalez. Bruce Moran, Bruce Moran, former executive right now for Live Nation Latin America. Uh, and uh, I think what, what moves me what was that. I mean, I was, I was willing to keep growing as a professional and, uh, and having a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of things, I think, to, 
What was your role like at Fox? Talk about what you did at Fox. What I did at Fox basically was at putting together a whole new team for the distribution and ad sales for the Mexico broadcasting channels, which is which was a, a 23 channels with 32 brands, all the Fox channels, all the National Geographic channels, and the Fox Sports channels. My responsibility was uh, to restructure the company, do a whole different, uh, you know, sales team and distribution team, and build up the numbers uh, in those four years uh, to make them relevant. And uh, we had great results uh, on those uh, three years prior uh, when we start hearing, you know, conversations uh, early on 017 that uh, Disney wanted to acquire Fox. And a so year later, so talk about this, talk about uh, Disney acquiring Fox, what that was like and what your role was. Uh, my uh, th that was that was that was a completely amazing opportunity professionally as well. Uh, as, as, uh, as an entertainment uh, industry member, I mean, to work for the Walt Disney Company was one of my dreams. So, uh, and that conglomerate, obviously, including ESPN. So when, when, uh, when that uh, was announced uh, and, uh, and, the and the acquire from Disney to Fox uh, was done, um, the Walt Disney Company leading in Latin America uh, for Diego Lerner gave me the opportunity to stay as a Fox member to do the merge between, you know, the operations in Fox and the operations in Disney. And I think over there, Jed, the, the most, uh, you know, challenging thing was th that the cultures were totally different. I mean, to merge those two cultures between, you know, the Fox executives and the Fox employees and people uh, and merge it to the Disney uh, philosophy and you know uh, and, and 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 culture. Uh, it was it was I think the, the most challenging thing. And in the middle of that, we were hit for for the COVID pandemic. So I was just we were just uh, merging, and 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 a year later, we we all went home and and tried to to merge the company from home. So I think I so think how did you, uh, do that? How, how you talk about how you got the cultures. Did you take more Disney people, more Fox? You brought people in from the outside. How did you, and what was the result? How, what was the blended culture like? I think I think, uh, I think that was the, the toughest thing. I mean, obviously it was a bunch of overlaps on that merger and, and you know, was, as the head of, uh, I mean, operations of the company and, and, and commercial of the company, part of the thing was, you know, who's going to do what? And, uh, you know, we had, you know, two commercial directors, two distribution directors, right. two production directors. So it was so hard to pick. I think uh, I received a lot of support from the region and from Diego's team. I think we we ended with a great team, pretty balanced. I think I can say right now that it was like, you know, 60% Disney people and 40% Fox people. And that's the actual team that is working right now in Mexico in the company. I, I was pretty, I was pretty, you know, I was pretty impressed of how Disney uh, and how big is Disney and, and the standards and the operations. And it was amazing just to be immersed uh, or, or, or immersive in that, in that culture and have uh, the, the, uh, the, the opportunity to, to be part of, of this uh, important success uh, before the acquiring. So you decide once it's done, you can stay at Disney, but you decide to move to the United States and start your own business. So talk a little bit about what that journey has been like. 
well, it's it's uh, it's it's different, very different. I've been uh, more than thirty years in the corporate world, Jed, and uh, and I decided to 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 do a couple of startups and be an entrepreneur on uh, up to my you know fifty, almost fifty four years old. And uh, I still, you know, have this this challenge and uh, my back to to still discovering what I'm capable of. So I think what drives me to move from being on the corporate business to start uh, as a partner of a couple of new companies was uh, basically uh, quality of life, uh, being a little bit more time with my family, which I totally discover when we got into pandemia because uh, I was working so many hours and so many days uh, uh, a month and a year that I didn't realize that it was so hard to face it, but that I didn't realize that I didn't know my kids. I mean, my 13-year-old today and my 11-year-old today. So basically, it's having a little bit more quality time with the company uh the pandemia showed us that we can you know just operate on remote and and still be effective and proactive and and productive uh, and i think uh these uh these uh couple of years or, or almost a year and a half it's been helping me also to to know where i'm at right now what i've been uh you know learning in my past years what i wanted to do in my next 15 or 20 years and uh, I think it's a it's a it's a very important uh, period of my time that that I need to actually to to, to 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 analyze a little bit more. Well, good. I I appreciate you taking time to visit with our audience and explain to them what it's like um, south of the border, being able to uh, move in different industries and change from what you're doing and being an entrepreneur. So we wish you the best of luck and we thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for, for having the time and for, for giving me this opportunity. And I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. See ya.